it's it's like it is a deeply it's deeply entertaining though yeah it's entertaining it's deeply entertaining uh and you have all these great like uh it's really fun to see like fred thompson yeah and like uh my, uh, my dad was telling me he's like the movie lives and dies on duval and how like serious of an actor he is and like what like how he's just going for it in this performance uh yeah it, it lives you know, and dies yeah it, it's like he is the foundation of the movie because of all the absolute silliness that is surrounding him you would take none of it like a- at all seriously no but, but they had to crank him up too because he's playing the role of viper in this film <laughs> it's another simpson brockheimer movie with absentee dads mm. another major theme in the simpson brockheimer um canon oof the oof, oof. The yeah sad dad ba- sad dad bad dad Sad dad, bad dad, new dad. <laughs> <laughs> new dad, true dad. Mm. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm uh, Patrick Remyon from the first podcast to be sponsored by Mellow Yellow. Mm. Uh, Don and I are both wearing matching yellow Mellow garb. I have to. I have to say, it's my favorite Cole Trickle car. Yes, out of all three of his cars, I love the Mellow Yellow. What's the? I can't even remember the other. Uh, I so can't even when he the... when he's in his like Rocky Three moment where he's like riding on top of the world, which is only like five minutes of screen time. <laughs> it's a super flow. Oh, and then yeah. I believe it's just City. City is like when he doesn't have a sponsor, and Randy Quaid is like, "God damn it, guys, we gotta get a sponsor." <laughs> At the very end, Randy's like, "Okay, I guess you're sponsored by the concept of uh, community." You know, you yeah, Randy. All of a sudden, a very charitable man in the last few minutes of this movie. <laughs> Almost as if the the movie needed that. Or, as yeah, as yeah, as if, like yeah. yeah, as if like uh, <laughs> you know, like Almost as if you can see Robert Town in his Hawaiian shirt in some <laughs> North Carolina hotel room, smoking a joint, trying to finish the day's pages, just, yeah. just like shrugging his shoulders, saying, "Ah, fuck it." <laughs> yeah, Chinatown. This will not be. You know, <laughs> there is an old saying in Hollywood: "One for them and one for me." Yeah, you know where this is. I really hope this isn't my last detail. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome to the Academy, everyone. Of course, we it's a it, it's a full meal movie. Yeah, this week on the show because we are talking about 1990s Days of Thunder. Ooh, and uh, man, and you know what a picture. What mm, a so, film. This one is um. Boy, I don't even it, like where to even begin. Let's we can talk about personal history real quick, and then we'll dive into some of the background deets. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just got off the phone with my dad like oh, wow. ten minutes ago. He goes, "What movie are you guys doing this week?" I'm like, "Days of Thunder." He goes, "Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dad movie." Oh, he loves this movie. When he got, <laughs> um, when I was a kid, he bought one of those gigantic like box big screen. TVs, you know those Ooh, those yeah. ones that like took like four dudes to carry down, to carry oh, yeah. into your I have, rec I, room. We still have one of those in my house, like a big. We can't like, get rid of them. Yeah. Oh, you can't. Yeah. No, they're it's stuck <laughs> there gonna, forever. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure like the cat the the tubes have dimmed and stuff. Like it's definitely the yeah. yeah it's not great, but it's there. And, and so he got that, and he got some surround sound. And guess what movie he tests this thing? Guess what movie he puts on to test out his entire new system? That's oh, right. Man. A VHS copy of Days of Thunder. 
<laughs> yes. But you know, it's so I've seen Days of Thunder. I had not seen it in a while, but I have seen it like a million times. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've seen this movie more than I've seen Top Gun. And I've seen Top Gun a lot too. Yeah. Um and it's um I've not seen it like in quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a rather silly movie. It's yeah, it's it's very silly. It's my first time seeing it, but I feel like like this movie must play on TNT like once a week at least. Like it feels like one of those movies that's just like built for basic cable. Yeah, it's um it's a lasting picture because it's easy. You were just saying that before we jumped on here. It's like this movie goes down smooth. Yeah. It's a, it's hot cocoa. It's 100% hot cook. It's Swiss Miss. It's a Swiss Miss of a movie. A lot yeah. of people are saying it. That was an Evers review. A lot of people are saying it. Who am I, Trump? <laughs> it's a Swiss Miss. The Swiss Miss. Trump loves this movie. Guarantee it. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He would have 100% pulled a, uh, a Don Simpson and tried to be a race car man, too, if he got yes. the opportunity to cameo absolutely, in this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say, too, that. Um, this is literally all I know about race car driving, and I don't mm-hmm. think any of it is accurate. I don't think they're bumping into each other nearly as much as they bump at Rub. They don't rub each other yeah. as much. Because Rubin's racing in this film, but I don't think Rubin is racing in real life at the same <laughs> level. Yeah, that is a fake Maybe nomenclature. Not, it seems like very dangerous to be doing that much rubbing. Yeah. It's like, like uh... when when like Cole Trickle um drives into uh Russ Wheeler after Russell who we that's like a season long suspension. Yeah. You ask me. You're banned. Get <laughs> You're out banned. of here. You tried to kill the guy. It's, the, like, the, it's a vehicular uh, manslaughter homicide right there. <laughs> the only car you're driving is the, the hot dog shaped food truck outside of the venue, sir. I know. Yeah, get a get a real job, Cole Trickle. What a name. What Best, a name, right? I think that's my favorite name so far. It's, we've it's, had some great ones. It is so, like... Like that combined with his entrance wearing like four jackets on a motorcycle. <laughs> like how cold was it, dude? His outfits in this movie are insane. He's <sighs> always wearing like suits. It's like, where yes. did this guy get suits from? Yeah, and they're like having a meeting about dry. It's like, motherfucker, you're a, you don't you can wear a shirt. Like you can wear yeah. a t-shirt. You don't have to wear a suit for this. Every guy in his position is probably just wearing a mellow yellow shirt because he got it for free from mellow yellow. <laughs> yes, they should have been drinking mellow yellow the entire time. Maybe I we, we should have been having a couple of mellow yellows while we were taking a look at this film. Mm. But uh, to get to our narrative, and we'll weave some more personal tales into the mix here. Our narrative is that, of course, where we left off last episode with Tony Scott, mm-hmm. um, audiences did not recognize the sleazy glory of revenge in its initial run at the yes. box office. <laughs> they couldn't appreciate what we had because we perhaps had too much of it. In mm-hmm. 1988, 1989, but in 2022, where nobody makes movies that sleazy, Mm-mm. it's missed. It's a cherished icon of the of a distant past. So, Tony Scott mm-hmm. is now similar position to his brother, actually, in the way we were talking about. You know, uh, might need a hit. Yeah, might need kind of like a gimme, if mm. you will. So he gets. So then he hears that his. Top Gun collaborators, Tony Scott, Jerry Bruckheimer, and Tom Cruise, are making a NASCAR movie, and he's actually top on the list to be their director. Now, how did this start? 
Patrick, did you notice in the credits who got a story by credit in this film? Man, I don't remember, but I'm going to say, did, I'm going to guess incorrectly. Is, was it Tom Cruise? It was Tom Cruise yes. himself. <laughs> yeah, I Has knew a it. story yes. by credit here. <laughs> you may be wondering, like, hmm. A lot of things. Very talented guy. Not mm-hmm. known particularly as a writer. So yeah. here's what happened. Mm. Right after he makes Top Gun, mm-hmm. his, like, very, his, like, next big move, he's in The Color of Money. Martin Scorsese, Paul Newman, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, one of our favorites. Mm. Um, the Werewolves of London. I was playing Warren Zevon for the baby today, and she was dancing around like a mad person. She was loving it. It was great. Yes, <laughs> yes. See, it was great. It's like, cool taste, man. Yeah, well, dude, Emily is like... <laughs> Sick taste, bro. <laughs> yeah, she likes, them. she likes those deep cuts. Yeah, like, <laughs> true singer-songwriter shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big fan of John Prine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, while they were... Uh, Newman took Cruise under his wing and you know new young hotshot on scene old master kind of thing mm-hmm. and as we all know Paul Newman was a passionate motorsports man he was a race car driver on the side he on an off day of color of money took Tom Cruise out to the track guess who freaking flipped their <laughs> surprise surprise yeah <laughs> This guy. Of, of what kind of guy Tom, we all know as Tom Cruise is now. Is he going to flip his lid to go really fast in a race car? Oh, yeah. He's obsessed. It's his new thing. He wants to make a movie about it. He's way into it. So he throws together a kind of slo- uh, sloppy treatment mm. himself. Of the <laughs> and get this, dude. Get this. So he... They need to find him a writer mm-hmm. for it. They bring in the writer and director of Thief of Hearts to be his initial co-writer. Huh. Interesting. Interesting choice. Interesting. Yes. You know, uh, great head of hair, bad writer. <laughs> or bad director was it uh, officer gentleman that guy yes it was yeah and it was um douglas day stewart was it yeah name? yeah yeah mr blue lagoon mr blue lagoon you know <laughs> great writer great head of hair bad director as <laughs> we all we all know <laughs> sorry don't seems such a monster but he's like kind of like trump he's kind of funny too yeah He's like an evil. It's like one of those monsters you can laugh at. Yeah, uh, but they started running through. Um, obviously, as we know in the Simpson Bruckheimer universe, um, they didn't last <laughs> as the writer. They went through a few writers until they landed on, of all people, Robert Town. Of course, mm. Robert Town wrote Chinatown, Shampoo, The Last Detail. Uncredited work on Godfather, Parallax View, you name it. Um, kind of the 70s New Hollywood writer. Mm-hmm. But probably the most, him and Schrader probably are the most esteemed of the era. And kind of defining that era. Um, yeah, also an old buddy of Don Simpson somehow. And yeah. I, would, I would declare him the first cruise whisperer of which Chris McQuarrie now has um, taken the taken the throne and probably will never let it go oh hell no yeah he's 
He's riding that train. Yeah, well, a person who truly understands how to work with Cruz and work with Cruz's persona. Because Robert Tan also wrote Mission Impossible 1. Oh, yeah. As well. And uh, this, of course, this movie was a big deal. So they they were really into the idea of um, bringing in this top-notch screenwriter. Because this was, of course, the first film under Simpson and Bruckheimer's New Deal with Paramount Pictures after hit after hit after hit. This was the first film of which they followed their full page advertisements in The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, The Los Angeles Times, Variety and Hollywood Reporter to announce a visionary alliance. Oh, my God. They... Their demands that they asked for Paramount. Here's just a list here. Two development executives, two assistants each, two secretaries each, new offices, new cars, funds for constructing home screening rooms, and an unfettered license to draw cash against their producing fees at an estimate of over $3 million a year. Worse, Simpson wanted stated in contract that he would also direct and star in future movies. Oh, my God. It even worse than that, his future movies would be artistic movies. <laughs> Sends a shudder down. The... <laughs> no. Uh, according to a former employee, the uh, producer Don Simpson wanted to make his own Driving Miss Daisy. That was what? Yeah. Which no. <laughs> because he wanted Oscars. At the end of the day, uh... the one thing he didn't have. That, that they would never fucking give him. Oh, no. And um, they also wanted a New York, like full-scale New York offices to match those. <laughs> uh, th- on February 1st, 1990, the deal was announced. Promised a production fund of $300 million over five years to make five pictures. Any five pictures, mind you. Mm-hmm. They were not required to submit scripts or budgets to Paramount for approval or ask for director approval or cast approval. They just had to make the movies. Since just to, no one is ever going to have this level of freedom ever again, right? Like this I, is. I don't think I. It's it's some of the TV people are getting it, mm-hmm. like the Ryan Murphys and the Shonda Rhimes. Of the world I think are getting it from Netflix. Gotcha. But in like the movie business, I I think the closest you're ever going to see is probably like an Irishman, but that's only one movie. Right, right. Like they'll give like a. A uh, director that can guarantee some form of Oscar bait. You know who has it is something similar as Sandler at Netflix. Oh, yeah. But Sandler's like, he's a level headed family man who's just making spoofs <laughs> and goose with his friends. Like the um, the bar is not nearly as like crazed and high as it right. was in 1990. Um, here's a bit from the press release, Patrick, if you mm-hmm. care to hear it. No, I don't care. I, it's I it's care. well-crafted. It's well-crafted <laughs> writing. From the premise to the premiere. From the first draft to the last detail. From the first shot to the millionth cassette. Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer are total filmmakers. It began with the landmark blockbuster Flashdance. Then came three of the biggest hits of all time. Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, and Beverly Hills Cop 2. And from these... Two Academy Awards, 10 Academy Award nominations, 14 top 10 songs, 
four number one soundtrack albums, four number one songs, four multi-platinum albums, four number one videos. Paramount Pictures is pleased and proud to announce a new five-year alliance with Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer as they enter a new era of producing and directing at the studio they call home. Asked to amplify, Simpson boasted, it's simple. They put up the money, we put up the talent, and we meet at the theater. Boom! <laughs> Thief of hearts! Yeah. Unjustly snubbed! Yeah. Thief of hearts! <laughs> Hashtag justice yeah. for Thief of Hearts! Where's Thief of Hearts? I didn't read one one moment of Thief yeah, of Hearts. Yeah, one heart stolen. Should have been there. <laughs> one diary purloined. And, um, so... Already, though, Paramount Pictures feels that Simpson is an out-of-control egomaniac cokehead. Yeah! <laughs> and they... But my friend, my friend, Cruz, mm-hmm. Simpson, Bruckheimer, Scott. Mm-hmm. That's a hit, man. Yeah. This, this is the this is the Top Gun crew. Let's yeah. date this. Let's let's date this thing for Memorial Day in May of 1990. Boy, they uh, they would have loved that. Mm-hmm. They would have loved that. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, cinema, no. cinema gods had other things in mind. <laughs> due to that date, due to the fact that they were, they had, they only had a small window of cruise time, they mm-hmm. rushed into production. Was a screenplay complete for Days of Thunder when they started shooting the massive undertaking that was Days of Thunder? Absolutely not. There was no screenplay in sight. Was Robert Town, like I described, stationed in a North Carolina hotel room, <laughs> pumping out as many pages as possible the day of shooting? You bet your ass. Uh, I'm just I'm just assuming he would just subsisted on like coffee and cigarettes. Like he was just eating cigarette butts and drinking coffee by the gallon. Yeah, I know it's nightmare. It's tough and dreaming of the days with Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got Randy, but he's no Jack. Yeah. So, Days of Thunder began with a production budget of forty million. Mm. Seven million was immediately paid to Tom Cruise. Oh my god! Which, though, I am actually one of these people who feel that like <laughs> there's only one freaking Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's fair. I think that just like there's only one LeBron James, mm. you got you got to bite the bullet, man. Well, who's yeah. pu- who's truly putting asses in seats here? It's not you, Simpson. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, it's like Jack Nicholson and jo- and Batman. You know, you gotta you gotta pay the troll toll. You gotta like you gotta uh, pay the troll toll. Yeah, you gotta do it. But toward a third of the way to two thirds of the way through the production, we were already at seventy million on the budget. Oh no! Weeks behind. Oh, double no. Don Simpson, unperturbed by any of this. <laughs> the Thunder location was a permanent party. Um, oh God! He had two assistants, both called Dave. One was Dave the Rave, and one was Baby Dave. No, Jesus! He sent them to area beaches to track down women, with the promise that they would get to party with Tom Cruise. Oh. By night, they would join Simpson, Bruckheimer, Cruise, Town, and Scott for dinner and the times at the discotheque. He rented an entire bowling alley one night. Why not? And threw a party. Another night, uh, they closed down a disco and brought in Tone Loke to do a private show. What the fuck? 
uh, the Daves would bring in booze and cocaine by the plentiful. Don Simpson kept a production office closet at the Marriott Hotel full of Donna Karen dresses wrapped in plastic and organized by size to give to women that he liked. That He had another entire room design redesigned to hold his own vast wardrobe. It's interesting. $400,000 of Paramount's money turning two hotel suites into a private gym and installing a massive stereo system. And uh, the gym was, of course, the list was supplied by one of all the things that you would need for a good home gym by one Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my god. It's just like reading all the, like hearing all this, you're making sense of moments in Days of Thunder that were very, like, like I, I, I'm starting to get, like, you know, the scene where, like, Nicole Kidman goes into, like, her, like, uh, apartment or whatever, and suddenly there's, like, a million, like, balloons and flowers everywhere and a giant, like, bear. Yeah, yeah or, like, the, the the moment with Robert Duvall and the weird, uh, the police coming at Yes. Stuff is making sense now, as you tell yeah, me this. Ex- <laughs> yeah, and who the true auteur of Days of Thunder Maybe. Yeah, I don't think it's Robert Town. It, yeah, and <laughs> so that they would be on set, and if work got a little late in the day, Don would just lean over Jerry goes, hey, it's 6.30, I got a date, and he'd bail. <laughs> Don. Don. Donald. Don Simpson. Simpson. And for a while on set, he actually was enjoying a relationship that some would call ordinary. Oh. He met a woman named Donna Wilson, a North Carolina-born actress. He liked her, and made Robert Town pump up the script to give her more to do. Uh, she's like a pit girl on the movie. I don't know who she actually was in it. Um, and he, <laughs> the crew, one member of the crew said, she's a pit babe. She has one line. And yet she's on set for 40, 54 days. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but she got really freaked out by... Um, Don Simpson's drug use and his quote-unquote ability to perform in the bedroom because of his drug use. And oddly enough, she went on after this to meet her life partner, Tony Scott. Married her in 1994 and was with her till the day he died. Yeah, I mean, just because you can... Movies, man. Movies. Just just because you can do a mountain of cocaine doesn't mean you can't scale a mountain. Mm. Mm. And simultaneously, this was going to be... Okay, so when he... Simpson, by this point, his ego had turned into... He didn't want to work with Tom Cruise and cast Tom Cruise. He wanted to be Tom Cruise and thought he could be at that level. But if you've watched Days of Thunder and have seen how Cruise kind of like sleepwalks through it with the but with so much charm, it does not matter. <laughs> that is the skill. Like I was saying earlier, you pay that man $7 million. <laughs> um, so Robert Town wrote him into the script in the role of Aldo Benedetti, veteran race <laughs> car driver. He worked hard. He leaned down to 170 pounds mm-hmm. for the role. Uh, he got collagen implants in his chin and cheeks. Um, gave it, gave him some angular definition, deeply tanned, and he wore um those racing suits everywhere. Oh no! 
<laughs> Meanwhile, he also like would put down Tom Cruise as a bad actor any chance he got. Oh my God. And he tried out for the movie Beaches, which was produced by um Jerry Bruckheimer's ex-wife. <laughs> that's crazy. Yes, that is that's the the act of a madman. And he and he and he claimed that he had an uncredited part in the movie Young Guns. But oddly enough, it's actually Tom Cruise who has an uncredited part in Young Guns. He had dropped by the set one day to hang with his best pal Emilio Estevez, and they dr- and they dressed up Tom Cruise completely like with mustaches and long hair, and he was unrecognizable, and he gets shot. Huh? Movies yes. again, <laughs> and, so, and he claimed that was him. Yeah. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> okay. And um, meanwhile. Memorial Day was going to mark, supposedly going to mark Days of Thunder's release. Mm-hmm. It would open against, on the very same day, Academy Academy previous episode, Dick Tracy. Oh my god! Blockbuster v. Blockbuster. <laughs> the t- the what a time shining. to be alive! What a time to be alive in <sighs> Memorial Day, nineteen ninety. Those are your choices. Wow! Oh my god! That would—that's like a brain melting double feature right there. Just fill my mouth with that simulated butter. And just give me give me both of those movies, please. So Jeffrey Katzenberg was at Disney, former assistant to Don Simpson, mm-hmm. and they friend they had a friendly back tete a tete about who was going to win the box office mm. that weekend. Don Simpson faxed Jer- Jer- uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg a s- sentence that simply said, "You can't escape the thunder." <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah, very cool guy. Very but very cool. Speaking of cool, Katzenberg text faxed back. You won't believe how big my dick is. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, droll. How droll. Very droll. <laughs> you can tell that's the scribe of Shrek right there. And then uh, we had a new another t-shirt war. Some I remember from the Blade Runner days. So t-shirt yes! war came out on set. Don Simpson handed out shirts to everybody on the crew that said, don't fuck with the thunder. <laughs> it's not even. Okay. Okay, man. You can't, you can't wear that. You can't wear that anywhere. You can't wear that anywhere. So <laughs> we've got we've got a long way here. Let me tell you a bit about what exactly Days of Thunder is about. <laughs> Thirty minutes in, we don't know. Somebody could have been like, never heard of this movie. <laughs> Who the hell? What is this movie? <laughs> yeah, is the movie about this guy Don Simpson? <laughs> and uh, this description, I I I love this opening sentence of this description is so. Uh, Thunder at the script stage was almost mind-numbingly simple. <laughs> Robert Duvall plays the part of Harry Hogg, a veteran mm-hmm. race car builder who, season before, um, Bucky Brotherton, his previous driver, was killed in a race. He may... Talk about underwritten, man. He might be responsible. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah. I, could, I had to like rewind the part where like they have the dramatic moment where they're yeah, and um, that, yeah, <laughs> in a very young role. And the first time I ever recognized him in any movie, and I was a fan from the jump. John C. Riley plays Bucky's son and one of the guys on the crew in the movie. He's terrific. He's great. It bums me out that they build up, they have that one moment with them, and then they never go back to it, really. It's so funny when Tom Cruise dead eyes him, like, yeah, he died last year, didn't he? It's just like, (laughs) that's his dad. He's got the one relationship with a dad in this movie that is like a good relationship. He dies 
yeah. Not Full great circle. with folks. Yeah. No. I mean, so maybe he left the movie because of that moment. He's like, yeah, I'm not yes. gonna hang out with this dude anymore. So <laughs> Harry is working on his farm. He has, he wants nothing to do with racing. Yeah, he just loves his big tractor. But then he meets Cole Trickle, a cocky young <laughs> driver from Eagle Rock, California, of what all the, places. What, what in the, the hell? hell? <laughs> Agent Hipster? They they fly now? <laughs> yeah. He's and um there actually was a race car driver named Dick Trickle, which oh is even God. funnier. That is very good. <laughs> I mean, these names are like A plus Harry yeah. Hogg. And... Yeah, they're eight, well, we haven't even gotten to his main rival, who has my favorite name in the entire movie. Oh, yeah. but there's some good names. Yeah. Um. And oh man, is like, is it, it is Cole Trickle like a driving genius? Yeah, absolutely. But is he kind of reckless? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. Is he a genius? Except he doesn't know any of the nomenclature at all. He doesn't <laughs> seem to know anything about cars. Me, like when he walks up to the car the first time we see him after he drives his motorcycle up, like he's like Lorenzo Lamas and Renegade. <laughs> he, he like looks the car like, hmm. I've heard about these. <laughs> I've read tomes about such yeah. machines. Oh, I've heard about these. Well, turns out that um, Cole is um his he he's he was kind of an amateur racer he worked in the and then his dad ripped him off and all their investors and stuff mm. like that he got no good no good dad real yeah. and um so he gets brought to he gets brought in uh we should note randy quaid is the owner he's upstart owner of the um car and their racing team he's also a used car dealer in north carolina yeah good casting it's it's terrific cast. Yeah. I mean, the movie's really well cast all around. Oh, for sure. The um, Cole's in a sensation. He's a wild man on the track, and kind of gets under the skin of the best driver on the track. He gets a bit of a rivalry, if you will, oh. with one Rowdy Burns. That's my oh. favorite character. Name. That is a great Rowdy yeah. Burns. Is nuts. That is an insane name, and I love it. Played by uh, another Academy Academy favorite, Michael Rooker. He's terrific in the movie. He 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 makes a sandwich out of some dog shit, for the most part. I miss when Michael Rooker, like watching this and then Tombstone recently. I miss when Michael Rooker got to play like normal guys and just not like evil toughs. Yeah, like, like even in um like Cliffhanger with Stallone, where he's like Stallone's best friend. Yeah, like yeah. give him that type of role again. Give him like normal. Have him be well, cast as a be, doctor. He could be like salty. He's good at that. Yeah, no, something, like, yeah. But like, he played House. Make him House. Oh my reboot, God. Reboot House. Make Michael house. Rooker's House. Please, <laughs> Fox, listen <laughs> to what. This is how we saved, uh, saved primetime television. This is how you get people to watch stuff in mass again. When was the last time people watched television on reg- in a regular intervals? It was clearly when Dr. Gregory House was roaming the halls of the hospital telling people it was certainly never lupus. Yes. You know? And I'll tell you what, it. Sure as hell ain't lupus. See, that's I just a taste. I say that every single time lupus comes up in my everyday life. So I'm like, nah, never nah, lupus. Not nah, lupus. Nah. Tony Tempest isn't lupus. Yeah. I've watched every episode of House. <laughs> a bit of a doctor via my watching of House. Yeah, I learned a crap ton. Like, yeah, probably too much bad information I learned from House. I yeah, I went to the ultimate medical school, uh, the University of House. So. Mm-hmm. 
speaking of doctors, we got a big doctor coming up. Oh um, yeah. Cruz though learns to work with Harry. Oh my God, they've got a they've got a it's a damn connection. Like mm. genius, genius pit guy, genius car driver. They're in the mix. Mm-hmm. They're going at it. They're competing one on one with Rowdy now. They're yeah. rivals. Rowdy's like, what's this cad doing here in but online? Then, Someone gets run off the road at Daytona. You know who that someone is? Aldo Bendetti. Oh, no. <laughs> Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Out of Pennsylvania. He was that's perennial contender from Reading, Pennsylvania. That's that's how he's introduced. <laughs> he gets run off the road. Big crash. Smoke everywhere. Mm. Rowdy and Cole drive through the smoke. And, you know, this was very memorable to me, and I've always been concerned about driving through smoke ever since I saw this in 1990. I was like, I don't want to get involved in this. Uh, they get totally blindsided. They they absolutely get annihilated. They both oh, yeah. crash. Yeah. Both airlifted to some North Carolina hospital where they are introduced to Dr. Claire Lewicki, played by Nicole Kidman in one of her earliest U.S. roles. And uh, my dad was like, she's kind of the weak part in the movie. I'm like, you think they spent a lot of time writing that character, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> also, like, she gets like the best yeah. like line goes, delivery. He goes, my dad's like, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. That was... <laughs> yeah, I think Town was like... <laughs> in between... Simpson and Cruz and Bruckheimer were like, yeah, let's give the girl more to do. <laughs> yeah. no. I think the one thing I really like, and I obviously... Cruz and Kidman got married like six months after they finished this movie. Um, he seems smitten with her. Like, oh, it's, sure. it's, he's way more into her than he was um, Charlie in um, Top Gun. It, it genuinely feels like a real relationship, in which is like, I feel like we haven't in, had in that a movie for... that is totally unreal. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then it's not, and it doesn't even feel like a real relationship. I, I want to go back a little bit. Like, it doesn't, but it, like, there's moments of it that feel. At least, like there's there's chemistry. It's like the first time yeah. we've had it's the first time we've had chemistry from a Tony Scott film since The Hunger, maybe in terms of like romantic chemistry. I don't know. I thought Costner and Madeline Stowe. Oh, that's fair. That's um, fair. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know, I take it back. I maybe take it not. Back. Maybe not as much as the dramatic scenes, but they certainly had physical chemistry. Oh yeah, no, they 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 liked being around each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess but, it's, yeah, yeah. But certainly in the because um, you know, this goes to another thing about. Don Simpson having incredible intimacy issues, which is very clear in his movies that he's produced, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that um, genuine adult relationships between men and women were not exactly Don Simpson's um, forte Mm. in his life. Uh, But basically, she is a neurosurgeon. One of the best, not the best, the guy who's just her boss is Mm -hmm. the best. They make that pretty clear. Yeah, <laughs> um, she's a lackey. Yeah. But both uh, Rowdy and Cole are legitimately hurt. Legitimate brain damage for both men. Diff- differing levels of it. Yeah. Um. But damn it, they got to get back on the track. Somehow, they become best friends. 
Yeah. Well, it's like uh, they have a magic race together. They have two magic races that really bring them together because they're both animals, basically. They're both, yeah, they're more car than man at and, this point. Dude, you can decide which one's your favorite. I think it's neck and neck. I can't decide which of the two races that they have is better. They've got one where they're being wheeled down the hall in wheelchairs. Oh, they yeah. Just, they just take over and they start racing the hospital uh, hallways in wheelchairs, which is quite a moment. And then... The head of NASCAR, played by Fred Dalton, who really this was one of his first roles in this position of like playing a boss, like some yeah. sort of authority figure, <laughs> until he became a senator and a mediocre Republican um, presidential candidate, <laughs> which is yeah. another thing. Movies, cool, wild. Um, he <laughs> makes them go to dinner together and mm-hmm. they have to drive together. These guys aren't going to do that. Rowdy, though, stops at a a rental car lot. He's like, yeah, pick one out, man. (laughs) And they just take to the streets in a couple, like, four Tauruses. Yeah, like, just, just, like, destroy them and, like, nearly die. Like like in Jackass or something like that. It's like a a Jackass stunt. Except, like, more, I feel like the people in Jackass have more, like, uh, they worry about how they affect people more. Well, they have more empathy. Yeah. Well, no question about that. I trust, I, yeah, I definitely would trust my life in the hands of Wee Man and Preston Lacey before these two clubs. Oh, yeah, like, the, yeah, <laughs> these two guys, these these guys would forget your birthday because they're too obsessed with, like, measuring their dicks. And then they would drive through your house on accident. I know. Yeah, because they're both dumb, too. <laughs> but, you know what, idiots. they're fun, they're having fun. Yeah, but they, this, like, puts together a common bond between Cole and Rowdy. Hmm. Um, Rowdy's a little bit more injured than Cole, so he's on the shelf, but Cole kind of gets back in the game. Hmm. Meanwhile, developing a tentative and, you know, in as it is in every Bruckheimer Simpson movie, weird romance with hmm. uh, Dr. Lewicki, Dr. Claire Lewicki. Yeah. And um, who wears white to the racetrack at the end? That always bothered me. It's like, you're gonna, that's gonna get smudged. Yeah, like, you're already gonna be, you're gonna be covered in Tom Cruise's weird uh, racing what? suit. Sweat. <laughs> Do real race car drivers get that sooty? Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's like a chimney sweep. Like, what I've happened? Seen, I've like seen guys on Victory Lane having like a glass of milk or something like that. They're never that like dirty. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't know if like maybe like it's from the engine, like like smoking or something. Yeah, I, I don't I, know. Uh, I don't know. Hard to justify. Um, but Cole's got like he's got the yips, man. He cannot. He can't drive comfortably anymore. And mm. meanwhile, Randy Quaid has got another hot young driver, Russ mm. Wheeler, Carrie Always from Princess Bride, <laughs> and Saw. Of Ugh. course, Saw. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. He's he's the he's the Saw. He's the he's the titular Saw. <laughs> Some great method acting. Yeah, I played the role of Saw. It was very difficult. <laughs> he's British though, which is you know always a surprise. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> and he's like. Very like dime a dozen pretty boy, just scumbag. Like, yeah. like they do a pretty good job of like opening up Rowdy's character from being a bully to being kind of a broken, interesting guy. And a lot of credit to Michael Rooker for doing mm-hmm. that. Cole's got ha- he he ruins things with Harry Hogg. He ruins things with his owner. He ruins things with Nicole Kidman. Oh my God, are we are we at the end of the second act here, heading into the third act? Oh my goodness, I think we are, folks. Yeah, <laughs> for a movie that Don Simpson said very well, 
had no third act. (laughs) (laughs) And, but he pulls it together. Mm -hmm. He gets Harry on his side. He, Nicole Kidman tentatively comes back to him. And then Rowdy, and Rowdy needs brain surgery. Oh, no. Yeah. And Rowdy has gone from Iceman to Goose in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yet, unlike Goose, Rowdy is forgotten about after this scene for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, Rowdy has a car, though. He offers it up to Cole for Daytona, the big one. The the Super Bowl of sports racing, as some would say. Not me. No, yeah, I don't, but I don't know. Not me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably fine. I'm probably, just, I'm, no, I'm, I, it is. But yeah. uh, he um, gets in the car, much like Maverick, mm. has to go through the exact same situation. Yeah, that he did with Goose. He has to drive through the smoke. I do kind of wish that we were like fighting some weird like stand-in for the Soviets, like the evil race car team. Yes, like, unfortunately, that like all like all that has to like rest on the shoulders of Carrie Elwes. Playing yeah, like a he, kind of a snobby driver. Yeah. So it's no surprise. Mm-hmm. It, but I will say this, man. It's really exciting and fun. It's like I was <laughs> like really into it. But he finds a way. Mm-hmm. Wins the girl. Wins the race. Wins the respect to Harry. Mm-hmm. All is well in the world. Yep. Cue the David Coverdale and um, White Snake. We're ready. We're heading to the credits, baby. Oh yeah, so freeze frame. Very, very simplistic. Mm-hmm. Very simplistic movie, and basically, even on set, they were referring to it as Top Gun Two, <laughs> like the, in <laughs> joking, in a joking fashion. There is some wild stuff of this. Um, Harry delivers two separate sermons, two cars. <laughs> yeah, about how well they're going to do in keeping people safe. Uh, the state trooper sequence with the sex worker in disguise is um, bad. Insane! <laughs> it's bad. In- it's insane. Well, then, like it's in- well, it's interesting that you see like that happens, and then that crescendo that move that like that goes into another scene later on with the Cole Kidman's character, where like like it- it's a weird. It is like a weird. It's weird. It's just deeply weird. I don't Almost know. Every other line in this movie is a line stating intent and personal ethics mm-hmm. um, from either Harry or Tom Cruise or Nicole Kidman. You name them, including things like, I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am being hurt. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh man! Also, there's that scene where they they race the taxi cab. Yeah. That oh, and then there's a scene where he won't let her out of the. Yeah, that's the scene where he won't let her out of the car. Oh yeah, yeah, that's crazy too. And she like opens while they're going. Well, that that's when he's like a certified maniac. That is like cold trickle at his most. Well, it's uh, the worst. Yeah. The worst because he loses her, and then they have that scene. You don't know me. I don't know you. I am who I am. <laughs> you know? I am dangerous, but I'm not dangerous. I love my dad. <laughs> You're selfish. You're selfish. I'd rather be selfish than dead. What? <laughs> But you would do you want to be a dead driver or a loving man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um the budget just soared. Mm. There's problems everywhere. They had about thirty of these cars that were modified Chevys. 
for it. They cost about a hundred thousand the outfit. Um, they weren't NASCAR quality, and they broke down all the time. Oof. Um, one afternoon, a car spun out of control, ran into a bank of cameras, <laughs> cost cost them forty thousand in camera gear. Jesus Christ! Um, one other thing too is that um, Top Gun was shot in San Diego, which has mm. pretty consistent weather for all the outdoor scenes and everything like that. Mm. Um, shooting across the southeast, the weather was not as consistent for them. Oh, and no. led to all sorts of issues and rain. And Meanwhile, they were still shooting without a script to the point where Tom Cruise had his dialogue written on the dashboard of the car during the <laughs> sequence until Tom crashed the car while he was trying to do it. <laughs> Which then they started sending Tat Robert Town was dictating the script to Cruz through his headset in the helmet that he was wearing. Oh my god. Um they didn't even finish principal photography till May. They're supposed to release the movie in May. They go to the editing room, they realize they forgot a shot of Cold Trickle's car crossing the finish line at the end of the movie. No <laughs> Yes. Yes. No, don't do that movie. You need that. Um, they <laughs> sent executives there in a very like Heaven's Gate kind of moment of like Paramount executives, like, um, what's going on here, hey guys? Are you okay? Yeah, you got Tug. Yeah. <laughs> Tug. <laughs> Don. Jerry. Jerry. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! And so, but they basically had total leverage on um, Paramount. So they're like, huh. "We're making the movie. We're doing it as is." Man. And um, the Paramount executive simply said, "The cost of flying in hookers was the least of it. We're talking about millions of dollars being spent." Don and Jerry didn't even try and hide it. They said, "Look, we got three crews shooting simultaneously. We have four teams of editors working. What more do you want from us?" Some somehow the film shoot of Fitzcarraldo seems less cursed than this. Yeah. Somehow. And that's like a film shoot where like people died and people there they put hits on like fucking Klaus Kinski at some point. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so watch, like, the, watch the film Burden of Dreams. It's one of the great documentaries ever made. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, that's this is impressive, Days of Thunder. This is bleak. Yeah. This is more like that is more like Every man for himself and God against all. Very mm-hmm. Bernhard Herzog saying right there. Um, this is more just Hollywood excess taking taken to its fullest level. There's no God. This is a godless film yes. shoot. Yeah, there's no God here. <laughs> yeah, this is like, yeah. There's not even like a chance at like redemption, because redemption that was never part of the part of the the, the menu. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, beyond all of this, Don Simpson, his greatest concern. Mm-hmm. His dramatic scenes as Aldo Benedetti. Oh no! According to film editor Billy Ed Weber, who was of course on Beverly Hills Cop and was on set for the Thunder production, Simpson simply couldn't act. The dailies were painful. It was clear to Tony and to Town and to Don that his scenes just weren't working. It was just bad. Oh. Wait, and the way Tony shot it was bad, and that may have been intentional. It was unusable. <laughs> evil i love it that's mean and basically they had this entire dramatic scene set up oh actually 
um, a comedic scene where Aldo was supposed to do a scene with Robert Duvall as Harry Hogg. And they were rehearsing it. And um, Cruz did not realize that Don Simpson was going to be in the movie. <laughs> he goes, who's playing Aldo? They're like, Don. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they started rehearsing it. And um, it was just, they were like, so far, they're going to waste another day, basically, was what everyone felt on set. That it was not going to work. It would definitely end up on the cutting room floor. Mm. And Cruz just, like, goes, I'll go talk to him. And Cruz went to his trailer to talk him out of the, the entire thing. Wow. And uh, that's like soul crushing. That's actually, a, man. Simpson immediately, yes, this is the tragedy. <laughs> he walked into Simpson's trailer where the wannabe actor had been in makeup for two hours preparing for his big debut. Simpson immediately sensed Cruz's discomfort with the scene. Without asking where the discomfort lay, he say, It is a shitty scene. It is a shitty scene. It sucks. I hate this fucking scene. Get rid of it. He made a big display of it, running from his trailer, collaring some second assistant director or something, shouting at him, get rid of this fucking scene now. To completely cover up his sadness and insecurity for losing the scene, I would say. Yeah. Armchair psychologist right here. That's, yeah, that's that's definitely, I can't, it's like taking an L in front of the best actor like, yeah, yeah, that's like that's that is truly that's like an Icarus wax wings moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and they um basically it his entire performance, few seconds of screen time, and one single line in the movie. His line: "I'm glad he's willing to come back, and I hope to beat him at the same time." In the montage of ESPN. Uh, oh, when Cole yeah. Trickle's coming back to race again after his injury. It is like, yeah, it is such a bummer because like that was one thing I was kind of looking forward to. I was like, oh, this infamous Don Simpson um, is this infamous role in Days of Thunder. And like, yeah, it is just whittled down to like, and for the better, most likely. Like maybe this movie would mm-hmm. be unwatchable, but like, you know, there is a part of me that's like, you know, that footage must exist somewhere. It would be interesting just to get that should be like a special feature. You should. So you- what um, Billy Weber said, I was the one who had to go in his office, close the door and say, you're only going to be in the movie this much. He mm-hmm. said, why? I said, you come to the cutting room with me. I'll close the door and lock it. You look at the footage. You come downstairs and look at it and you and just tell me anything you want. I'll, anything you want in, I'll put in. Wow. Because I knew he would never put anything in the movie that was bad. And he looked at it and said, I'm fucked. So he was in the movie just this tiny bit. Damn! That's like, I mean, at least he has, like, the, the that level, at, this, at least at this point in his career, he has that level of, like, you know, he knows when he's not doing well, at least. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not on, like, a, in a general way, but at least, like, in terms of, like, you know, pro- providing content. He knows what he can still differentiate good from bad, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Billy Weber was so confident in that scary moment to be like, yeah, he's not going to do it. He mm-hmm. will see it. He will see that this just doesn't work. So they were, you know, a lot of worries on this one. And um, the movie came out 
ended up coming out um, uh, June 27th of 1990. So mm. not a huge far behind, but the um, reviews um, were almost universally bad. Mm. Uh, New York Magazine's David Demby um, <laughs> uh, went after not only Days of Thunder, but Top Gun, Color of Money, and Cocktail. <laughs> Damn. Um, just hated Cruise. Yeah, went after Cruise. Um, just down the line. Rough, rough reviews. Um, there's a couple people who thought, like, good job from Robert Duvall. Occasional pieces of dialogue from uh, Robert Town being fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people, and they all, also, everyone saw it as a almost ending up almost being a carbon copy of um, Top Gun. Yeah, except it doesn't have, like, there's, like, an ethereal weirdness to Top Gun. There's almost, like, a liminal quality. It feels very dreamlike yes. with how vague so many aspects of that film are. Like, vague to, like, the benefit of the film almost. Like, it's like, who are we fighting? What's the the, the what's the stance of Tom Cruise's relationship with this lady? Like, what's the stance on his relationship to his fellow officers? There's, like, a lot of things happening. There's, like, you, you don't get any of that in this movie. Everything is so, like... Cut and dry, so to speak. It's very, very. It's beyond simplistic. Yeah. In kind of its beats and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. The movie opened to fifteen point four million. I hate to tell you, two weekends earlier, Dick Tracy opened to twenty two point five million. Uh oh. Oof, oof, Shrek is grinning. Um, it limped to um, eighty two point seven million at the U.S. box office, hundred fifty seven point nine million worldwide. Um, declare and um, Dick Tracy out earned it by twenty million. Damn. Um, that's a, that's wild. But Dick Tracy is such a weird movie too. What a deeply yeah, weird film. You would you would expect it the other way because Dick Tracy is just so odd. Like yeah, but Dick Tracy is like truly artistic too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Like it's just yeah, and it's like the fact that like Al Pacino got an Oscar nomination for that his performance in that movie. It's like. On one hand, I do see it, but it's also truly, it's just, yeah, it's insane. You know, it's just a crazy, crazy world. And uh, so Paramount Pictures, who apparently was already a bit uncomfortable with the Visionary Alliance and how out of control they were, in particular Don Simpson. Mm. um, They were at a point where basically they started demanding, yes, like I said, a New York office so they can get closer to the publishing world and all of that. Um, Paramount refused, and it was kind of their first refusal. And basically, within months of the advertisement claiming the Visionary Alliance, mm-hmm. the relationship was pretty much at its end between Simpson Bruckheimer and Paramount. Um, most people at Paramount thought it was just completely embarrassing and just too much, too much to deal with for them. <laughs> um, he, um, and then he lit into the press at the same time. And then he, of course, had his first sexual harassment lawsuit filed against him against a previous assistant, mm. um, which, according to everyone, um, was undoubtedly true. And he did it to everyone who he worked with. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, confirm most of the charges. Yeah. It's no, no, 
no big surprise. Yeah. And so Paramount was like, they want out of the deal. They didn't. If maybe if Days of Thunder had made Top Gun level money, mm-hmm. but everyone just kind of wanted to um, walk away. And Simpsons behavior, the cost of the Visionary Alliance deal, and mm-hmm. the lawsuit just left a very bad taste. And understand under understandably bad taste. So um, if all that deal began to break down the studio that Simpson had known his entire career was pushing them away. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, former Paramount people and assistant Simpson assistants, Simpson assistant for one and a Paramount person the other, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg were of course at Disney, running mm-hmm. Disney, and they were more than happy to take on and bring to their lot Simpson and Bruckheimer. And a few projects that Simpson and Bruckheimer had in the hopper, including the the main one, uh, the film that became Bad Boys a few years later. But a kind of inglorious end to the original Visionary Alliance. And um, I will say that the Don Simpson book that I'm quoting liberally from, uh, the very next chapter is entitled Wretched Excess. So get ready. <laughs> uh, and this is when they start working with Disney. This is when they start working with Disney. Yes. But this is also, um, th- it would be, um, give or take, if I'm not mistaken, about five years. Um, four or five years before Simpson actually had his name on another production mm. from Days of Thunder after barreling through the 1980s at light speeds. And, um, and now he's a failed actor, thrown off the Paramount lot, and um, definitely like, you know, Tom Cruise later said they were like, "Oh, what about the producer Don Simpson?" He goes, "The guy who was never on set." He's like Jerry Bruckheimer's the producer I know from being on set, and so his reputation and his excesses are starting to absolutely pile up. Meanwhile. I feel Tony Scott gets out of this relatively unscathed. Yeah, he... he does a good job. It's a flashy, good-looking movie. Everybody looks great. Like the story, the story's got some heat. It's got some, you know. It's um, you know, he tells this story the way it should be told. Yeah, and he gains whatever a wife. minimals, and he gained a wife out of it. <laughs> yeah, like he is. It's like the he his star uh, as uh, as uh, Don Simpson's uh, light wanes. His is his only gaining light. Mm-hmm. And um, Scott heads, Tony heads. Mm-hmm. Um, really, this this one has gained esteem mm-hmm. for them because it is like, like we were talking about with revenge last week. This kind of um, simplicity of style and substance to make pure entertainment, like mm-hmm. I, for going anything else. Um, interestingly enough, I mentioned Heaven's Gate, but it also has been declared kind of the Heaven's Gate of the blockbuster coked out steroid era. Ah, just yeah. a couple years later was Last Action Hero, which kind of sealed it. Right. Until, you know, and then, you know, simultaneously with the arrival of um, who we'll meet in a few weeks, Quentin Tarantino and the Sundance Generation. And the Miramax generation, so forth, kind of gaining steam. 
So out with like the beefy bros and in with the the, nerds. Oh, the cinnamon oh, nerds, yeah, cinnamon nerds, yeah. It's gone full, <laughs> you know, it's gone circular. Um, Quentin Tarantino, of course, has thoughts on Days of Thunder. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, yeah, you laugh, but seriously, I'm a big fan. To me, Days of Thunder is the movie Grand Prix or Le Mans should have been. Sure, it had a big budget, big stars, and a big director in Tony Scott, but it had the fun of those early AIP movies. I just don't think it works if you take the whole thing too seriously. Yeah, that's fair. Just have fun with it. Yeah. That is an enjoyable ride. Just have a have a mellow yellow and relax. Yes. So um I think Tony Scott comes out of this pretty looking pretty good compared oh. to everyone else involved. Yeah, he's he comes off as the confident aspect. None none of the flaws of this film are certainly coming from the direction or the cinematography no. or the casting. You or know the, what I mean? Or yeah. the absolutely kick-ass score from Hans Zimmer. Oh, bring that up. Zimmer it's crushes really it. Yeah. I love the score. And, you know, everyone does their job and their performances. I think, like, Tom Cruise is still figuring out his kind of game as a performer. I was reminded, actually, of something Karina Wolf said on one of our earliest episodes about Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Like, when she was comparing Kramer versus Kramer to Doubt, she's like, she didn't have her moves yet when mm-hmm. she did Kramer versus Kramer. She, they were like, they were there, like the rough version of them. By the time she got to Doubt, she's like, these are my Meryl Streep moves that I do that always work. Tom Cruise has that shit down now, clearly. Right. But he's not, um, he was still kind of like figuring out that stuff, I think, at this point in his career. Um, he's still like charismatic as hell. His haircut is pretty cool in this movie. Mm-hmm. Is you know, is, is he? Oh, I was gonna mention. Do you think he's a hair actor? Uh hmm. You know what? Maybe as a youth he was a hair actor, but I think he's he's uh, he has shied away from hair acting as yeah. of late. I've I think been the... trying to develop a unified theory on Mission Impossible movies, whether they're good if he has short hair or long hair. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a I need to do a rewatch of all because like, like yeah there it's it's interesting yeah because Mission Impossible two that's like the that's the supposed stinker right yeah it, it isn't though it's kind of groovy okay oh um no doves in this movie oh that's For true those paying attention home surprisingly enough he could have driven <laughs> he and Rowdy Burns could have driven through some freaking birds <laughs> maybe a dove falls in them while they're doing their wheelchair race um, who knows yeah. <laughs> um, one other interesting note about this movie is that, um, much like Top Gun had the full support of the Navy, this movie had complete and full support of NASCAR. They're like, this is going to be a great commercial for NASCAR. They're mm. right. It looks, I tried to, I remember I tried to watch like a NASCAR race after I saw this, like this is way boring compared to Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, sick title. Oh yeah, Days, Days of Thunder is a rad movie title. Well, Days of Thunder, it's a great movie title because you could use it, like, this could have been a movie about, like, the Vietnam War. This could have been a movie could about, have been like... like, Big Wednesday, just like a surfing movie or yeah. something like it, that. It was Days of Thunder. Days, what... Or, like, yeah, coming of age, like, high school movie. Those were my Days of Thunder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> River Phoenix and Days of Thunder. Um, So they did a lot of promotions for this when we were kids, and... um. I had um, my friends and I all had the Hot Wheels cars mm. of the cars in this movie, including the Mellow Yellow car, which was the hottest choice. Sick. Um, you know, badass, which I still had them. Um, the other thing I remember is that 
So there's this entire thing where they're like building the car and all this kind of thing, but every single car in this movie is a Chevy Lumina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because very... that was the that was their sponsor. <laughs> so it's like I'm talking to this Chevy Lumina that like <laughs> damn Randy Quaid sold me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, they have that scene where like fucking it looks like like Franken's like he's about to build Frankenstein's monster. He's like yeah. talking to like the skeleton of the car. Super it, Tony Scott style too, that entire scene of them building the car, like all like kind of like almost making it look like sexy. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. That yeah. Uh but I remember one of my close friends in in elementary school, his folks got a Chevy Lumina. Mm. And we were all like, man, that's a car from Days of Thunder. That's cool. Yeah, cool friend. But it's kind of like, but the Lumina turned out it's kind of like a, like an Accord or a Taurus. It was like a very like general sedan. Yeah. There was like, it was like Steve McQueen's Mustang and Bullets or something like that. Yeah, it's less Lamborghini, more Honda Civic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when you're driving around, you're like, yeah, this car doesn't really have like the juice that Tom Cruise's car version seemed to have. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can play two cassettes in it. That's nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I could tape off the radio <laughs> man I got, I got this new nirvana song wow yeah mud honey haven't heard them in a while in a dog's age and of, and of course um by 2006 when the film talladega nights the palette of ricky bobby which also stars john c Riley, was released oh my god um uh he um will ferrell refers to days of thunder as a witchcraft movie Uh, and we've kind of come full circle (laughs) with that story i'm not gonna lie i did when they did the wheelchair race i immediately had to go on youtube and look up the scene from ricky bobby where which is to me i think still the 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 hardest i've ever laughed in a cinema just will part where he stabs him in the leg and then uses another knife to try and dig the knife out it's really the fun michael clark duncan is like you have to cut around the meat yeah so good. Michael Clark Duncan was a funny so, fucking dude. That movie is very, very funny. And uh, again, because this movie and NASCAR culture is borderline parody to begin with. And I yeah. think Quentin Tarantino has been right two weeks in a row with Tony Scott movies. Just give in. <laughs> yes. Turn it off and you're going to have a really good time because these are like ultra expensive blockbuster exploitation B movies. Mm-hmm. Like if they could have had nudity in the sex scene, he would have done it. Oh, but they for had sure. To, they had to make they could the they had to get the PG thirteen. But yeah. it's you know I had such a good time when I was watching it. It was like it brought back a lot of good memories mm-hmm. for me watching it when I was a kid on our big screen TV and stuff like that. And you know I I had no idea as a kid the absolute chaos i just described to you for 45 minutes i mean i feel you you know it's like it's one of those movies where like um like there's moments in it i don't like i definitely don't think it's as good as top gun but when you have that final moment where you know tom cruise is one he kisses nicole kidman gets racing soot all over nicole it's Kidman's a real face. city yeah. it's a real city and then he goes up to like robert duvall and robert duvall's kind of like uh, i don't know what to say he's just so happy that you i know, can't believe cruise didn't go well you could adopt me <laughs> yeah i could be your large <laughs> I, son I, i'd like to be your son <laughs> yeah and then robert duvall's like i'm gonna race you i'm gonna race you <laughs> 
And it's so like the joy on Robert Duvall's face. Like he has that like he get has that look that like grandparents get when they're racing their like six year old grandkids. Yeah, he does. And he he moves okay. He he, cl- was... he claims to be fifty nine in this movie. Which, like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't know, man. But he like because he, he looks like he. I believe he's like ninety two in Whoa. real life now. Wow. Um, if I'm not mistaken, but he's he's old. Yeah, but he's he's really running for like for an older gentleman. He's mm-hmm. hooping it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Jedi were joking. It's like you're gonna be that old, and you're gonna attempt a foot race with young Tom Cruise, <laughs> so perhaps great. the greatest runner in cinema history. <laughs> It's so nuts. That's why I love it, though. It's all see. It's almost like that, there's like an earnestness and a, a stupid earnestness well, to like it. The, that's like the joy of young Tom Cruise is like he's so sincere and unironic that no matter how dumb it gets, you're like, man, I'm in. I buy it. Yeah. Like, and trying. I, I kind of wish we had watched Color of Money as a bonus for this mm. episode just to like tie it together a little bit. But at, you know, at the end of the day, Tony Scott. Is not the not at fault in people's eyes mm-hmm. for this movie not doing as successfully. I think they're a lot, a little bit Hollywood hubris was what people were feeling just in general when you take out the Visionary Alliance ad. There's people will be rooting against you, yeah, <laughs> pretty actively. I, I I think it's a good rule of thumb to 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 root against anyone who takes out a full page ad in a major newspaper. You know, it's yeah. it's it's weird. It's very yeah. very it weird. Look, you know, it doesn't look good. Don't do it. And so they also thought uh, one thing I was going to mention too is that Tom Cruise also did Born on the Fourth of July in this mm-hmm. time period, which got him his first like real acclaim. And they, everyone thought he was going to win Best Actor, and he lost. And that guy that gave them the heebie-jeebies about uh how well this movie was gonna do oh no that's a silly thing (laughs) yeah my thing is that i think that people thought he was overexposed like in the same way that i'm like a negative nancy about timothy chalamet right 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 (laughs) or like yeah or like how chris pratt has gotten like there's just too much pratt in the air right now yeah and i think that it's like shut this smiling dope up let him breathe like let him breathe go back you go go back to your weird amazon uh, where you get to pretend to be like a, a like troop. a yeah, yeah. Troop, exactly like the, all these fuckers have their like oh, Amazon they like they all want to be troops they all want to be like I I worked at Blackwater like that's their dream John Krasi- John Krasinski like doing interviews where he's like the CIA isn't all bad yeah <laughs> I wish I was part of it please 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 I'll do it <laughs> I, I think people get that way I did see today too that DiCaprio apparently on Don't Look Up. Uh, took Chalamet aside to give him some young actor, hot young actor tips, mm-hmm. and uh, DiCaprio summed it up pretty thoroughly: no hard drugs and no superhero movies. Yeah, that'll, that's yeah, a good. That's good advice, man. Doctor's advice. orders. Yeah. Doctor's doc, Doctor DiCaprio. Doctor DiCaprio. Yeah, no, no, no. But this they said. all came out of this great. Cruz got married too. Oh yeah. You know, he met Nicole Kidman, who I think you know is striking and interesting and underwritten in this mm-hmm. movie but definitely a star like yeah. you want to see her and things she has like good moments in this movie in the movie that does not do her any favors no much it does like not yeah yeah but like you could tell she's got it whatever it is mm-hmm. she has it it's uh, like lorraine Bracca syndrome it's like yeah, yeah. uh cruz took a, a little time off after he got married but returned in 1992 with a one-two punch Ooh. of a few good men uh 
with our written our the breakthrough film from our friend Aaron Sarkan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Far and Away. Have you ever seen Far and Away? I've heard of this movie, but I haven't seen it. The, uh, talk about like a forgotten like absolute mega movie in 1992 that 30 years later no one has seen it's so funny a friend of the pod ruha i like i keep wanting to say a dog's age for some reason uh a long time ago uh i made a tom cruise bracket and i showed it to ruha and ruha was like why is it far away on far and away on this and i was like oh i've never heard of this movie and yeah apparently like it was like a big deal when it was released i saw in the theater it was massive he's irish in it what? Yeah, he does an Irish accent in it. And, <laughs> and, and there's like, it's a Ron Howard movie, and they do like, um, there's this entire sequence where he's a bare knuckle boxer, and then they have this ending that was shot in like 65 millimeter of this like land race sequence that's actually like remembering it now. I'm like, that's pretty like striking stuff. It was really like, the movie was like dumb as a box of rocks, but, um, the vis the visual the it was like had that sweep that you expect from big blockbusters oh, though at the same time I I, I almost and Nicole Kidman was his co star in it too. right she was uh, also Irish <laughs> I know like God the rate we're going we're not gonna do another bracket until like 2027 <laughs> probably yeah. like, I'll be sending uh, I'll be sending the baby off to college and yeah then we'll have time to do it <laughs> this is our version of the mustard mayonnaise Mr Shosk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're, you're potting in here. <laughs> Daughter's like, I'm going to college. Yes. Sorry, I'm I'm talking about uh Ridley Scott. <laughs> we just we just got to the counselor. Uh but um <laughs> but uh, but uh talk for an hour and a half about Days of Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> probably talk longer too. <laughs> oh, for sure. But uh I I kinda like and we don't have to do this, but it could be fun to do a filling the gaps uh bonus episode on color of money and far and away. Yeah, I, th- Maybe. I mean, Maybe. well, I, we've talked a little bit. Hey, let us know via our Twitter feed or our email. Um, do you want to hear more about Tom Cruise? <laughs> he's a weird, he's, he's an odd bird. He's, he's a fascinating character, and he has been a key supporting character thus far in mm-hmm. this series. Um, I don't think we actually, I don't think either of them ever worked with him again. Um, interestingly enough, I could still see him doing something with Ridley Scott, like to this day. I could see that happening. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, a fascinating character who's the, probably the key, one of the very key actors of this era that we're at least going through this eighties, nineties, mm-hmm. um, into the two thousands era. Like, I mean, he is the star, and then he proved it again, you know, this very year in Top Gun Two: Maverick. Yeah. At um, and which produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and dedicated to Tony Scott. So. Like, this he, was this was four months ago that this happened. So these I'm, guys are all still here. I, I, he needs to get into Avatar somehow. One of the Avatar sequels. That's that would. Do you think him and JC? It's just too much. They're just too much. Too much personality on a set. I, too much intensity. So here's the thing. I think James Cameron would understand that Cruz is like you need to give Cruz like a, a goal. Or like a thing mm-hmm. like you need to jump off of a you need to know how to jump off of a plane from 400 feet or you well, need apparently to like... in avatar 2 um kate winslet defeats tom cruise's um underwater hold your breath record that he had from uh, rogue nation 
That's insane. So there's something right there. There, there we go. He's yeah, Easy. That's, that's how you draw him in. That's how you draw him in. That's yeah. how you get. You got to hold your breath a little bit longer, Tom. That's how you get Tom Cruise to wear the the CGI dots or whatever the ping pong balls. Yeah. Oh, that really takes away a lot of the cruise. But you know, like Tony Scott though, again has made it deeply entertaining, kind of dopey, but in a wonderful way. Yeah. It, everything in Days of Thunder makes sense. It's yeah, it's like, amiable. It, it almost makes too much sense. Yeah, it's, it fits. Yeah, all the pieces fit too perfectly. But uh, Tony, of course, moved on fast. Mm. Next year, he makes the film, The Last Boy Scout, mm. with uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. Um, I'm really looking. I have not seen The Last Boy Scout since 1991. Mm-hmm. Um. Big, big, big one. I was also looking forward to. I remember being a little too um, nasty. I was mm. looking for more diehard style Willis, and he's this is a little he's a, he's a little bit rougher around the edges in this one, oh. which gets me really excited. And also next week we get to discuss um, for the first time, I think, on the show, the screenwriter of the era, Shane Black. Ooh. who wrote The Last Boy Scout. Yeah. And so we will give a little background on Shane Black next week. Our next week's episode is, of course, entitled Dirty Cops, because we're pairing The Last Boy Scout with Ridley Scott's Black Rain. Mm. Um, <laughs> this could be a good one. This I'm excited. Good, uh, this is, we, 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 we are in a really like nice spot post-legend here. <laughs> With oh, some yeah. of these. No, no, <laughs> Jack of the Wisp or whatever the fuck the Jack O' Lantern. My bad. We are firmly, we're firmly living modern metropolitan city life. Yeah, the the, the Gump is in the sewer, like Pennywise. Yes, yeah, exactly. He wants to come in, but we're not letting him in. We, we don't need your balloon. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to. Yeah, the only Gump we like, uh, he has a box of chocolate. Yeah, mm. which again, right around this time period too. Yes, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so, but next week is Black Rain, Last Boy Scout. Following week, heading into Gulp, October. <laughs> oh my god! We're gonna be doing this forever. <laughs> yeah, we're never, we're never leaving this. <laughs> we're just... Ambitious. The the old the only thing we've ever done on this show that's been ambitious. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, we're having and, fun. And the following week after that, we're gonna be talking. It's another uh, single serving episode. We'll be talking Thelma and Louise, which I'm oh. looking. Never seen it. Same here. Oh, there, I... man. Full cinematic, uh, cinematic uh, honesty. Never seen it, and it's, I'm looking forward to it. In a yeah, big way. it's it's one of those movies that's like slooms large in the culture, but yeah, just haven't seen. It, so I'm excited. Yeah, it was on the Criterion Channel recently, and I was about to throw it on before we even planned on doing this. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 131 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that extra like 11 minutes, I was like, eh, I'm gonna seek out a 95er. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. There's Beverly Hills Cop too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, let's take the Paramount Pictures advice here. Ninety-five minutes or less, please. Yeah. What's my friend John Ashton up to? I got this uh, French movie in the mail this today that they covered on Tarantino's podcast that was uh, not streaming, so I had to get a out of print DVD. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna throw it on after we do the show. One hundred and twenty-one. I was like, oh. How about 105? No, no, no. Let's get that down to 105. Oh my gosh! I watched a uh, I watched a uh, uh, a Tollywood movie today. Not mm-hmm. not RRR. I watched a different one. Uh, a movie that I might 
I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it to myself because it's a movie that I may show it at a get together at my place tomorrow. Ooh. And uh, oh, it's a good it's a good. I just wanted to make Jeez. sure it was everyone listening to the show. You're gonna miss it because this comes out on Tuesday. But come to Patrick's yeah, for come, a movie night. Come to my new apartment. Uh, <laughs> actually, never. No, please don't. I don't. I don't want to know you. Uh, but uh, but uh, I w- I watched it and then I was like, oh no, I I don't know if I should show this because this is an 134 minute movie. I forgot that like. Yeah, like it's, any, it's, any... T- it's tough at movie night going above 105 minutes. Yeah, it might be a that could that could lead to an epic movie night fail, and I want to avoid that. That's the reason I haven't wanted to watch Star R yet because it's like three hours and three minutes. Yeah, it's like that's that's. that's... I'm gonna drive. I'll drive my car again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I did write down a note that at one point Robert Duvall did scream, "Drive my car." Oh, which I a big, like. big, big influence on yeah. everyone behind that film for sure. But this was a great one. Watch Days of Thunder, everybody. Check yes. it out. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. And, uh, it's worth it. It's a fun yeah. time. I gotta I go watched, back. I watched it hungover. Ooh, it was great. It was that's great. Perfect. Yeah, it was true. It was great. I've been, you know, st- I'm still working with Tibby. I'm still working for Tibby on his potting yeah. effort, and uh, I, you know, it was great to do this while working on his pod. Uh, and by <laughs> the way. <laughs> the Tibcast. Uh, Tibcast. <laughs> it's an experiment. It's like Nathan Nathan Fielder's thing. It's an experiment. I marry a very attractive person. I make a surrogate son and friend with another very attractive person who's a good thirty to forty years younger than me. Yeah. I put them in a reclusive loca- uh, secluded location, and then I say to myself, "Yeah, they won't do anything." Yeah. I lose every time. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, very fielder-esque. Yes. We will see you all next week. <laughs> Bye-bye.